calling out the cards a while ago, and especially for those who are guests, to take them out and make sure you pick up a special gift that we have for you at the Welcome Center. It's so good to have each one of you with us. I'm excited because today I saw a bunch of turkeys. These are actual turkeys, not people that you call turkeys, but uh, people hauling in turkeys and food and all. You guys are so incredibly awesome because today we will feed uh, 24 families. We fed 17 last year. We're feeding 24 this year. So thank you. Give yourselves a hand uh, for that. Uh, Awesome to uh, just be continually generous as a church, and God's blessed us so much. And uh, for us to have the opportunity to be a blessing back is, is a great privilege. So thanks for helping us with that, to all of you who volunteer and all of you who brought in food. Uh, also, today is Veterans Day, right? And so I had the opportunity to eat lunch today, or excuse me, this week with one of our uh, veterans and uh, visit with him, and so um, I know uh, he was in the first service, but uh, there's some that no doubt are in this service, so if you have ever served or are currently serving in any form or capacity of the uh, military, the armed forces of the United States of America, will you please stand for us? Will you do that right now? Just go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, let's honor these folks. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you all for your service to our country. Uh, We wouldn't be the great nation that we are and have been if it weren't for people like you. So we appreciate you and and thank God for uh, your service to us as, uh, as Americans. Today we're continuing on in a series of messages that uh, were geared toward faith this month. And uh, my goal is that our faith level will rise this month. How many of you? Yeah? Yeah? So, So here's the thing. I don't care who you are. I think all of us can go another level in faith, right? Myself included. Uh, And so we all can grow in faith. And so last Sunday we launched this, eyes wide open. We're looking through the eyes of faith as God would help us to see clearly uh, to what he sees and to help us to be more uh, influential, to be more Uh, caring, to be more generous, to be more selfless, to be more uh, uh, kind of a a person of power, if you will, uh, through uh, maybe even some of the small things that we do, and we'll see that here today. And so with that in mind, we're going to look once again this morning at a familiar story. Last week, we looked at a story that I grew up hearing about where Jesus got in a boat with his disciples, went out across the Sea of Galilee, but about midway, a storm came up, and the disciples were afraid for their lives, screamed out, and uh, Jesus saved the day. And so if you weren't here last week, be sure and listen to the podcast so you can get caught up. 
uh, for this series. But today, I want to look at another story that Jesus told, and this one involves five loaves and two fish. Anybody ever heard of it? All right, some of you have. And if you haven't, that's okay, because we're going to read it as uh, one of the uh, people, of uh, the followers of Jesus recorded it, and then also from others who weren't happened, uh, didn't happen to be able to be there, but they later heard about the story and wrote it down for us. And so uh, we're going to look through eyes of faith. Now, this, last week, I talked about how we can have this scarcity mindset, the scarcity cycle. And in the scarcity cycle, it starts in the mind, not in the wallet. See, we, we think it's in the wallet, right? My wallet's the problem. And really, you can have a poor mentality. You know, my mom used to call it poor mouth, you know, uh, saying, uh, poor me and poor this. And, and uh, it was kind of funny how some people, you know, uh, pour themselves uh, because uh, of how they would think. And the Bible says it this way in the book of Proverbs. It says, as a person thinks, so are they. And so you have to watch your thinking because if you have stinking thinking, come on somebody. Yeah. <laughs> If you have stinking thinking, then uh, it's not going to lead you to higher ground. And so we need to make sure of the thoughts that we have because it's not so much what you do. You have to start with how you think. And this is illustrated in Mark chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, Mark chapter 6, open it up there if you don't have a Bible with you or uh, don't have a device with that on it, we'll pull it up on the screen. Here it is, Mark chapter 6. I learned about this on a flannel graph board. Anybody with me on that? A few of you? Remember flannel graph? Little cardboard Jesus on the flannel graph board. And so, uh, anyway, we don't have flannel graph today. Thank God we've got the screen. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Next slide. There, thank you guys. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Now, it's interesting that maybe they had that much cash on hand, isn't it? Uh, that they actually could think that they could do that. But they say, are we supposed to do that? And he says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. We're going to look at the story today because it helps us to change our thinking because the disciples were thinking, buy. We've got to 
buy something. And Jesus was thinking, no, you need to give something. And as you give it, as you release it, then I'm going to release something. See, Jesus sees things differently than you see them. And he sees through a different lens than the disciples on this occasion. And many times he'll see things differently than you and I see them. So we've got to adjust and, and fix maybe our mindset. There are two mindsets that we see here and two mindsets that are probably existing here in this room. I talked a little bit about this last week. The first mindset is scarcity. The scarcity mindset says there is not enough. There's just not enough. Now, it's easy to see how these disciples would have thought there's not enough. And look at John when he tells this story uh, because, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, there's four writings of the life of Jesus, and each one tells it from their perspective. And so it's awesome because we have all these different perspectives and sometimes on the same story so that we can pick up other details that are there. And in John's gospel, Philip answered him and said, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and he said, well, here is a boy with five uh, of the barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? See, th this is how a lot of people think. Uh, maybe you've had this kind of mentality where you have more month than you have money. Anybody ever have that? It's like there's still more months, but I ran out of money on Tuesday. And, and maybe uh, you're about to get paid out of debt. You're feeling good. We're making progress and all. And then something freaky expensive breaks, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? Or, or maybe a medical bill comes through and you're just, maybe you're like, okay kids, nobody can get sick this year. So here's everybody's bottle of sanitizer. Take that to school. Don't touch anybody, you know, stay away from anybody coughing. You, you just don't want to go there. But, but that's a scarcity mindset. Oh, we may run out. We may not have enough. There's not enough. But then here's this mentality is the abundance mentality. Everybody say abundance. abundance. Now, the abundance mentality says, no, there's more than enough. There is more than enough. God has provided everything we need. And so you see it through abundance vision. Look at Matthew chapter 14. He says, they all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Notice that they ended up with more than they started with. That doesn't make sense, does it? But that's the abundance mentality. See, scarcity asks this, what can I afford? And abundance asks, what do I have? What do I have? Because the scarcity mentality looks at the need 
And the abundance mentality looks at the seed. Because I believe this seed in my hand can grow. And it can bring back 12 basketfuls of leftovers if it needs to. And so these disciples were needing a change and a shift in their mentality because there's more where that came from. See, God's economy is very different from the world's economy. When we follow Jesus, he redefines what can be done with a little. Right? Some of you, you never dreamed you'd be where you are today. It, it's amazing to me, you know, we started with just a few people in the movie theater, and now here we are with two services of hundreds of people coming and, and fabulous things going on in this church on a consistent basis. It all started with a seed. It all started with something small. So I want to do an experiment today. So... If you have your wallet, take it out. Everybody gets nervous when the preacher says, reach for your wallet. But hang on. Get a dollar out. Just one dollar. And if you don't have one, just borrow one from somebody. Say, I'm good for it. Because here, here, it's no fun if everybody doesn't participate. Okay? So, and if you give online... And you got your phone with you and you give online through your phone, just give a dollar right now, okay? Uh, because here's what we're going to do. We're going to receive these at the end of the service. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. But let me ask you a question first. Is this a little or a lot? It's a little, isn't it? I don't know. I didn't try it this week, but... Um, if my memory serves me correctly, it might buy a pack of gum on sale, <laughs> right? And I've heard about, I don't know, I can't verify this, but I heard about there still exists some soda machines or pop machines that you can put a dollar in and get a can out of that machine. Okay, I've, I've heard about that. I don't know where they are, but I've heard that you can. So, in other words, it doesn't look like much, does it? But here's what we're going to do today. I want everybody to give a dollar. All of us participate. Because here's what's going to happen. When hundreds of us give a dollar on the way out the door today, we're going to collect that this week, and we're going to give it to a need in our community. We're going to uh, give it, point it, direct it to a need that's in our community. And so you don't want to miss next week, because next week I'm going to tell you what your dollar did, the impact that your dollar had on someone's life this week. Yeah. So don't miss, don't miss next Sunday. And, and here's the thing. As you view your life through the lens of scarcity, here's what happens. You get fearful, don't you? 
You know, yeah, oh, I don't know what might happen. Oh, you know, I might run out of money. Or you get anxious. Does somebody sneeze in the house? Nobody's getting a cold, right? Nobody's going to need to go to the doctor. Kids, don't you play outside. We can't afford that. And so Jesus, and, and over and over, by the way, the Bible, I, I, I heard that 365 times in the Bible it says, don't fear or fear not. One for every day. Because God has not given you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. God wants all of us to live that way. Fear free, right? Not anxious. We live in an anxious generation, and it comes when we have that scarcity mentality. But that's not the kind of God that we serve. Our theme verse around here, and you know this if you've been around for a while, and you'll hear about it in the on-ramp, is John 10.10. John 10.10 says, Jesus said this, the thief has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life, the NIV says, and you'd have it to the full. The King James Version I grew up with says, more abundantly. See, God wants you to have an abundant life. An abundant life. That's what Jesus said, I came here to give you an abundant life. So God wants to do abundant things in our lives. And yet it amazes me how many times we'll say, uh, I can't afford to give. You know, we have that scarcity mentality. There's not going to be enough. And so I better hang on to all I've got. And, and so, and I, I, I've had times where I've thought, oh, I wish I could give a hundred. I wish I could give a thousand. And, and here's what that is. That's like a scarcity mentality. Instead of looking at what I have in my hand, I, I'm trying to see what I don't have. And, and here's the crazier thing is how can I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior to take away all my sin, all my guilt, and enable me to live in heaven forever and ever, and I'm going to trust him with that, but I can't trust him with $100. Does that not seem weird to you? And so I believe that we need to get a new mindset where we understand that we serve a God who is absolutely, phenomenally generous to us, everything he does is excessive and, and extravagant. Have you looked around at the world you live in? It's amazing what he has created, and he is a God of more than enough. And so I want to give you today two principles of abundance from this story. Two principles of abundance from this story right here. First principle is that God multiplies what is blessed. He multiplies what is blessed. We read this earlier, but let's look at it again. Mark chapter 6, verse 40. It says, they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, and this is the story going on. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food. He blessed it, 
in their sight. Now, let me tell you something. What you put in Jesus' hands is blessed. What you keep in yours may not be. I don't know about you, but my money has ways of running away. Anybody with me on that? Uh, you ever get this way where you're like, now where did it go? Where did it go? I don't know. I, I thought I had more money than that. Well, what happened? And, and, and we can't figure it out because it, it has a way of shrinking. When God gets a hold of things and, and we return the tithe to him, when we return what belongs to him, because really it all belongs to him, but he only asks for a portion of it to come back to him, then he will bless it. Look at Malachi chapter 3. And what Malachi says, bring the whole tithe, and that just means 10%, into the storehouse, which is another word in the Bible for the church or the temple. That's where they would go. Uh, bring that tithe into my temple, and that, that there may be food in my house. And test me in this. Only where in the Bible where he says something like that. And he says, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much, everybody say so much, so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That doesn't sound like a dribble to me, a dab. As a matter of fact, when I read that verse, here, here's kind of what I picture. I picture Eagle Creek Reservoir. Anybody been out there? And Eagle Creek is this pathetic little creek, right? It's just not much, you know. But, but you put a dam there, right? And, and you hold back those waters. And all of a sudden, there's a huge body of water where I've seen people out on boats enjoying their lives, just out there sailing around or tooling around out on the water and, and just, just having a big time out there in this huge expanse of water. And it's like this verse says, if you'll just release that little bit that's in your hand down here on this planet, I, up in heaven, will open up floodgates and I will pour out so much blessing. It'll be like that dam at Eagle Creek just opened up over your life until you are overwhelmed and saturated with blessing. How many are, are good for that? Would like a little bit of that in your life. And that's just enough. And a, and a, an absurd amount. In other words, the Bible teaches that God is not stingy. That when we release the little that's in our hands, he will open up the heavenly floodgates. What is heaven like? It is undiluted presence of God, overwhelming peace for our soul. It is uncontrollable joy in our lives. It is abundant provision. It is the very presence and power of God in our lives. And we open that up when we release what's in our hands. I got a story this summer from one of our attenders and I just thought I would read the email to you that I received a few months ago. Dear Pastor Craig and Crossroads family, 
I would like to take a moment to share my testimony and send praise and thanks to you. Four years ago would mark the beginning of the most trialing time I have ever faced in my life. I was raised in a very traditional southern church in Amarillo, Texas, and have lived in Indiana for five years. My mother continued nagging me from back home to find a church here in Indiana. I passed crossroads on my way to work every morning, and I finally decided to attend alone one Easter morning. After coming to Crossroads Church that Easter in 2014, I did not attend again until a time in my life where my self-inflicted anxiety was at its peak and I wasn't making the best decisions as a mid-20-year-old. In February of 2015, the Holy Spirit tugged at my heartstrings and I knew I needed more fulfillment than what I was seeking in worldly things and I returned back to Crossroads Church on a regular basis. Little did I know it was just in time. In June of 2015, me and my husband lost our first child. I was angry, confused, and still seeking fulfillment through, through my mourning in worldly things and not in Christ. The only thing that continued to uplift me and give me any kind of hope was clinging to Jesus and the joy it brought to me by coming to Crossroads on Sunday mornings. I continued to attend, and in December of 2015, my husband and myself lost our second child. Me and my husband were just two defeated, broken souls trying to mend one another. The trialing time of losing children caused anger and bitterness in our relationship. In January of 2016, I did the 30-day fasting and prayer for peace in my marriage. We'll be doing that kind of fasting and prayer again at the first of the year. So that we would learn to love each other the way we did before our losses. Shortly after, my prayers were answered, and there became a newfound love and respect in our marriage. Still broken and without answers, I laid down all control at the feet of Jesus and continued to seek Him. I overcame my self-inflicted anxiety and no longer had to take anxiety medicine. That was an answer to prayer in itself. I truly believe the book of Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 8 cured my anxiety disorder. And yet again, a story we were so uncomfortably familiar with, in October of 2016, we lost our third child in early pregnancy. This time was a time of numbness and disbelief that God would allow this to happen a third time. My husband said, we cannot do this anymore. It was too painful, and he had given up. Still, I longed for Jesus and continued to seek his peace that surpasses all my understanding. During these times, I had multiple surgeries, and Crossroads was there to bring meal trains to my husband and I. They provided words of encouragement through letters and flowers with their condolences and prayers. I have held the hands of many strangers from the prayer partner group more times than I have ever held anyone else's hands in my life. I love that. 
I was still broken, but I was beginning to become whole, having a relationship in Jesus Christ. I also made another huge decision to do the tithe challenge, which we've done in this church and ask people just to try it. I gave more abundantly than I had ever given before with the excitement of the new children's center being built, even though I was childless. In November of 2017, we became pregnant once again. We were very cautious and with every right skeptical in the beginning of this pregnancy. Around week eight, we started having a scare that we were ever so familiar with. And I laid in bed with my husband that evening, waiting to call the doctor the next morning, only to go in the next day and find out what we already probably knew was going to happen for the fourth time. I kneeled, though, at the feet of Jesus that night. While on the phone with my mother, we prayed harder than I have ever prayed in my whole life. The next day, my husband and I went in and had an ultrasound, a routine that I dreaded. Little did we know, God had a different plan this time. He is, hang on, He is the only one who can rebuke the wind and tell the waves to be still, like we learned last week. We heard the most amazing sound God has ever sung in our ears that day, a strong and beautiful heartbeat. I have put prayer requests in every Sunday since finding out about this pregnancy and held the hands of Crossroads members and prayed for protection and growth over this child. Every appointment was a milestone and every day I would wake up reciting prayer and rejoicing in the Lord for another growing day of pregnancy. Our sweet baby boy, Avery Joseph Collins was born on Friday, July 13th at 8.52 in the morning, 7 pounds and 9 ounces, 21 and a quarter inches long. As I hold him in my arms now, I'm in absolute awe and disbelief that God has given us so much grace that we do not deserve. My husband and I cannot stop staring at God's gift to our family. God's timing was truly perfect. Listen to this. I lost my, listen to her perspective on this. I lost my first child and gained a church. I lost my second child and gained a relationship with Jesus Christ. I lost my third child and became an active giver to the Lord. I became pregnant with my fourth child, and we now have a new addition to add to the Crossroads family and be part of the children's center that was built in part because of my tithing. After four trying years and three miscarriages later, I can now look back and truly say that God's timing is amazing and everything worked out for the furtherance of the gospel. I now know that all glory goes to 
to him on high. I can only hope and pray that my testimony will be shared and heard, not just by the members here at Crossroads, but the people by podcast right now all over the world. Waiting is hard, but if I can give any bit of encouragement to you, I would tell you, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Crossroads has been a blessing to my faith and my family by sending flowers to the hospital, meal trains to my family, and praying for me over and over again. I knew my prayer requests were being read, but little did I know that my testimony was being followed for an entire four years that I have attended Crossroads Church. I cannot even begin to give thanks enough to the family, staff, And Pastor Craig, for all they've done for myself and my family, thank you so much for me, my husband, from the bottom of our hearts. We love you, Crossroads, love Chelsea, Adam, and little baby Avery Collins. Give him a praise today. That doesn't sound like a trickle God to me. That sounds like a God of the floodgates who is able to open up exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think of him according to the power that works in us. God's desire is for you to live free in him. So if you feel stuck, all right, listen, if you feel stuck in your faith, listen, you don't have to. If you just let go of what's in your hand, you can watch your faith skyrocket. Here's the second thing to write down, is God multiplies what is given away. He multiplies what's given away. In Matthew 14, he says, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. He gave it to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the people. Where did the miracle happen? There's no mention in Scripture that Jesus just did this. There's no mention, and I think there would be, because we're talking about 5,000 men. Many Bible scholars think they just counted the men back in that day. So 5,000 men plus women and children. So we're talking about 15,000 plus, perhaps, that are there. It would take two semi-loads of food to be able to feed those people and come up with 12 baskets of leftovers. I think if Jesus had blessed that food, those five loaves and two fish, and all of a sudden, you know, Fish are just, whoa, now we got a hundred. Oh, now there's a thousand. No, there's 10,000 and water. I think somebody would have written it down. How about you? I I, I think maybe somebody that would get somebody's attention, they'd say, I'm writing that down. Because that was crazy. Remember that day? Oh, yeah, John. That That was something else. Fish everywhere. But I don't think that's how it happened. See, Jesus sometimes will sovereignly on his own do things. And other times he uses a prayer partner down front. 
Other times, he uses somebody like you to let go of what's in your hand and watch it meet the need of somebody else. I believe the miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. I believe they just kept reaching in and pulling more out. And it's like, okay, I thought I was down to the last, but okay, 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 okay. Uh, And maybe they thought, well, we're going to be the ones left out, you know. But they just kept giving it out. They just kept giving. And as they kept giving, God kept multiplying. And I believe sometimes God wants to do the miracle through your hands. I believe sometimes, come on somebody, he wants you to be the miracle. He wants you to do something. He wants you to feel what it feels like to go in a room and teach children about Jesus and their little eyes get wide open. And they start getting excited about Jesus. And, and they start learning about Him. Or you, you decide, oh, maybe I'll help lead one of those life groups. I don't know. I, I don't know that I got the stuff to do it. But you start doing it. And you start watching other people grow in their faith. You start seeing other people come to life in Jesus. And all of a sudden, you know it's not about you. It's Him working through you, right? Him working through you. So that miracle happened through their hands, and everything God does seems to be counterintuitive. Have you noticed that? I mean, he says, you know, the way to go up is down. If you want to be the greatest, be the servant of all. And then he says, and if you really want to love people, then love your enemies because anybody can love your friends. And, and you got to pray for them who hate you and, and you got to bless those who curse you. And, and he says, you know, when you want to find your life, you need to lose it. It's so counterintuitive and yet Proverbs talks about this in Proverbs chapter 11. He says, one person gives freely, like gains even more. That doesn't make sense, does it? That sounds like disciples handing out fish and loaves. Another withholds unduly, and they come to poverty. Oh, I don't have enough. I better hang on to what I've got. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Jesus wanted us to learn this lesson. I I remember when we were up north and pastoring in the Chicagoland area and we had started a church up there and and for many years we met in rental facilities, about 10. 10 years without a building. And finally we identified property, got building built and the churches started to really take off. And great things were happening and people were being attracted and lives were being changed like never before. And so we were just uh, sailing away. Awesome, great stuff was happening. And we had our daughter uh, at at Northwestern Hospital in Chicago. And so uh, life was good. But I had a guy come to me as a banker in our church. And he he came up to me after church. And he says, "Uh, you don't own your own home, do you? And I said, no. And uh, he says, why? (laughs) Why? which I thought was pretty bold, but uh, 
if you know him, that's how he is. And so he says, why? And I said, well, you know, when we moved up here, we've rented an apartment for four or five years and townhouse, and now we're in a duplex, and, and it's, just, it's just good. It's, it's all good. And he says, well, you, you should own your own house. And so what's the real reason holding you back? And I said, well, you know, we really quite honestly don't have a down payment to be able to put toward a home. And uh, he says, I thought so. He said, uh, I want to help fix that. He said, you've been here for years, and you've given of yourself and if you'll give me the right and the freedom, I want to see about this church coming up with a, a down payment for you. And I said, hey, it's all good. Don't worry about it. You know, I appreciate it, but I want you going around begging people for money uh, so I can have a house or whatever. He says, let me tell you something. It won't be like that. And uh, if you just, just let me see about it, see if it can happen or whatever, and then we'll go from there. And I said, well, okay, just don't offend anybody. He came back to me a few weeks later and said, uh, this church family would like to give you $30,000 to help you to buy a home. Now you go pick out a house. And uh, so we were able to pick out a home because uh, he knew that I had worked two or three different jobs while we were there. Rochelle had worked two or three and sometimes at a time jobs while we were there and had uh, been there uh, to see that church through to where it was at that point. And so they gifted us that down payment. Well, what they didn't know and what I didn't know is that I wasn't going to be there the rest of my life. And so it wasn't but about a year later that we knew that God, and that's a whole other story how God called us to Avon, but we just knew that was what we had to do. And so I went to the leaders of our church there and I said, hey, when you guys gave me this money to buy this house, we thought we'd be here the rest of our lives. And, uh, you know, and, and we just aren't. We, we've got to go and plant another church. And so uh, when we sell our hot house, we will just give that money back uh, to you uh, and thank you. And so they said, well, we will get back to you and tell you what we think we ought to do. And I said, okay, fair enough. And so they got back to me, and that generous board of that church said, you keep the money you earned it, you deserve it, you've been here all these years, you take it and may it be a blessing to you as you go start another church in Avon. And it's the reason why today we live in the home that we live in is because we were blessed by that. And I say all that to say this, if you'll just get focused on serving God, See, Matthew, pull up Matthew's scripture up for me. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. So do not worry. Saying, what, wherever am I going to live? What, what, what house am I going to live in? What, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? The pagans run after all those things. And your heavenly father, he knows. He knows what you need. He knows what you need. But you, here's, here's what you do. 
You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I want to let you know today that God has a way of multiplying bread and fish. God has a way of multiplying dollars. God has a way of multiplying your life when you give it out. When you, when you speak, when you share, when you get people in your home in a small group, when you lead a class, when you talk to children about Jesus, when you do whatever it is that you do that God's putting you to do, when you release that, there's a multiplication power that begins to take effect. There's a ripple effect of your life that goes out. And listen, miracles happen. They happen. Just ask Chelsea. They happen. They happen. And they can happen to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you still make miracles happen. Some of us, God, it's so easy to get caught up in the culture. Get caught up in what we don't have. And, and we begin to get focused on our need instead of on our seed. So God, today, just help us to get retuned and refocused and understand that you have ways that are beyond our ways. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I don't want to get unfocused. I don't want to be focused on the world and not on God. I want to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. And I say that with my mouth, but it's so hard sometimes because when I leave this place, then I I start getting into other things. And next thing you know, I have anxiety. I have fear. I have turmoil, dissatisfaction. And I don't want to live that way when God has given me abundant life. And if you're here in this place today and you say, Craig, I want to live that abundant life every day. He's already put it in me. I just need to live it out. I want to live my life in such a spirit of generosity that my time, my talent, my treasure, whatever it is, I just want to live open-handed in my life. If that's your prayer, will you just join me and just raise your hand? Say, yes, that's my life. That's me today. Father in heaven, you see every hand that's raised. And God... We just ask that you help us to take that next step of faith in you. And for some of us, it may be to tell somebody about Jesus this week. And we think, oh my gosh, what if I don't say the right words or whatever? But God, it's not about us. It's all about you. And for others of us, maybe it's to start tithing or maybe it's to start uh, teaching or, or being a, a volunteer in some area and, and serve on the dream team of awesome volunteers here at Crossroads. Whatever it is, wherever this lands, God, with us, just help us to live our life with an open hand. And we know that you can bless an open hand. Maybe others of you are here. And to think of a God who is so generous that he gives abundant life may seem like, well, that's okay for somebody else, but you don't know what I've done, Craig. You don't know my past. You don't know what I just did this week. You don't have any idea what kind of guy 
or what kind of gal is sitting in this service today. But I'm telling you something more amazing than your sin is the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. His grace, listen to this, is like a flood. And that grace will flood into your life today and wash away every stain, every black mark, every sin, every mistake, every bad choice. He will come in and wash all that past away and free you of the guilt of it. And if that sounds too good to be true, it is. I know, it it is. But I'm just telling you, I know it firsthand. And there are hundreds here today who know firsthand. And Chelsea knows the amazing grace of God. And if you'd like that amazing grace to come into your life right now and wash away your past and your guilt and start your life over today, will you just raise your hand up I want to see your hand while every head's bowed. Yes, 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 yes. Bunch of you. Two hands over here. God bless you. Over here. God bless you. Over here. God bless you. God's amazing grace. Uh, Way up. God bless you. All right. Over here. God bless you guys. All right. Hands. My goodness. God's about to do something incredible in this place. Crossroads family. I want you to get ready if you raised your hand for the amazing grace of God just to flood your soul. Just pray this prayer with me and church family, pray it with me so everyone will pray it out loud. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for me, to be the payment for my sin so that a holy God would be able to accept an unholy me. Today I come to you and ask you to open the floodgates of your grace and mercy. Wash away my past. Free me of my guilt. Liberate me to a new life. And as much as I know how, I want to serve you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, somebody.